from the Word of God. And again, I have to remind us that every time you approach God's Word, it's like you're approaching God Himself. Because the Bible is not like you are, you are really approaching God Himself. Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Medina, it's good to see you tonight. Good. <laughs> so that's the way I approach God's Word. Uh, is every time I open that book, when I'm alone, I'm expecting something. And, you know, I zero in on something, and the Lord is showing me something to better my life. Because the Bible tells us clearly that the word that was spoken to them did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. So what that means is every time you hear the word of God, you are supposed to profit Something has to be going on in your life. I said this on Sunday. Don't ever lose sight of that. Some transaction spiritually is taking place on your behalf for the good when you come to the house of God and you're listening to the word. It's so important. It's not like, oh, we've heard the, we've done the praise and worship. That's over. We've taken offering now. Now is the time for the word. No. That's <laughs> not it. The added is, what am I going to get here? You must, or we must always come to the Lord with that in heart. Otherwise, you will come just the way you came in, and nothing changed. You left with nothing in your heart. I, if I go to church and I go a few times and I'm not getting anything, <laughs> I mean, what is going on? Is that something is wrong with me? Or uh, something is not right. I've got to have something to go home with. Uh, out of a message tonight, but I, when I left Georgia, I went to College Station to go to school, and I wanted to be in a church. I went to that church several times. My friend was in the same. Uh, uh, well, my friend was in that church, and he invited me. It was an AG church. I had never gone to any other church except the AG church, but that was a difficult church. I noticed what something happened. Every time I go to church, when I come back after church, I'll be sad. That was the, re- the reverse was the case. Every time I went to church, no matter how I felt, when, I, when service was over, I was happy me. Don't know what happened, I'm just happy. But when, I, when that happened a few times, I told myself something is not right. And eventually I went to a Methodist church. <laughs> Because something was going on, but it was, you know, charismatic Methodist church. But the good thing about it is I met the pastor of that church at that time. He's now a pastor in our district here. And I met him somewhere, and I was asking him about the church. He says, oh, that church, that was a hard church to pastor. <laughs> it's a horrible church. So it wasn't just me. Something wasn't right. It wasn't with the pastor, something was, it was with the congregation, and something was wrong. My point is, when you come to church, you're supposed to benefit. There's something happening that you can put your finger on that lifts the burden off your life because God is with you. You came into the presence of the king, and when you leave, you don't leave the same way. That's just the way it is. It's not church as usual. You come into the very presence of God and you could be receiving your healing 
without knowing it. Only God knows what's happening in us, what things God is healing in us when we come into His presence that we are not even aware of. We are not even aware of the problems that He is taking out of the way when we come into His presence. So always come into His presence knowing that you are going to do some great transactions with the Almighty God. And something is about to change in your life for the better. For the better. Amen. It's one thing to have spent many times with the President, you know, President of the United States. And if you say, how many times you've been with the President of the United States? Well, I've been with him for about, uh, about uh, let's say, a hundred uh, days in a year. And they say, and you're still like this? <laughs> You've been with the President of the United States and you're still like this? Are you sure you've been with the President? He's not doing anything to help your situation? Do you ever talk to him about what's going on in your life? In the natural, we don't expect that to happen, right? In the same way, when you come into the presence of the King of Kings, something has got to be happening. To try to change your life for the better. You know, to have hope. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that there was a time that we were without hope and without God in the world. We are not like that anymore. We have hope and we have God in the world. And that's the beauty of knowing Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, tonight I want to share from the scriptures briefly the quest for true happiness. I never liked the word happiness, <laughs> but it's of life, so we got to deal with happiness. Father, we just ask that you bless your word tonight. Break the bread and feed us and help us to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. The quest for true happiness, that's what the unbelievers pursue constantly, is to be happy. I just want to be happy. I mean, if you heard that, I just want to be happy in life. And the, the problem is, they don't know how to be happy in life. And sometimes people think happiness is, you know this, well, if I can only take advantage of this situation and buy several houses, then I'll be happy. But happiness is not in those, those, that stuff. Happiness is not in the stuff. So you can't pursue that. And that's what the world is doing. That's the difference between us and the people of the world. They are constantly pursuing and the enemy keeps showing them stuff. You know, if you can get this way, if you can be this successful, if you can buy this, if you can buy that, you buy a brand new car. I know how I feel when it's a brand new car. You know what I mean? You wake up in the morning. Don't tell me you're not doing that. <laughs> okay? You wake up in the morning and you survey the car. And if there is a little spot on it, you get the rag, eh, right? And you wipe that, that little spot off. It's a brand new car. Uh, wait after three months. I forget that stupid. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter anymore. I mean, you can have mud on it and you say, well, I'm too tired. I, I'll watch it next week. <laughs> no, that's what it is. It's no longer valuable. The first day he brought a little bit of joy to you. Because he got something new. And that's good. That's part of life. But true happiness is nothing now. Before long, it's too old. And you're not happy anymore. So we have to 
know how to have true happiness in life. And happiness actually has to do with what's happening in the external part, external life. What you can see, feel, and all of that. But those things are influenced by what is happening inside. So the joy and the happiness has to be from the inside out for it to last. If it's coming from the outside, it will not last. We need that from the inside that's going out. It's joy, it's happiness. You can be joyful in the Lord and not appear to be very happy because there are circumstances around your life that you are uncertain about. We all go through that. But the true happiness, the anchor for happiness is in God. And then we'll talk about that. There are seven things that I came up with. Many of you know the pastor has to come up with seven things, you know. <laughs> That's really important. That means you really know the Bible, right? They come up with seven things, seven principles uh, to follow. So uh, we pastors like to do that so people think we really know what we're talking about. <laughs> we're really smart. Seven things. But really what this is, is I was studying from uh, Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And uh, you can look at that psalm. It's a very beautiful psalm. And for me, this is what it takes to truly be happy in God as a believer. Psalm 34. The first thing that we have to have is have an unwavering trust in God. An unwavering trust in God. That He knows what He's doing. He sees what's going on in your life and is concerned. Not only concerned, he will do something about it. An unwavering trust in God. Regardless of what's happening around you. Regardless of what people are saying. Regardless of the diagnosis. You have complete trust in God. That he would do according to his word. Paul puts it this way. I am fully persuaded. That settles it for him. There is no need to be worried. I know I have difficulties around me. But I have full trust in the goodness of God towards me. It's one thing to say God is good. But God is good to me. His eyes are focused on me. I trust Him. He will not let me down. He's taking care of me. Unwavering, meaning no circumstance will make me waver from my trust in the goodness of God towards my life. Even when difficult things come. Even when things happen to me that I don't understand, I can put together, I don't figure it, I can figure it out. And I'm asking, oh God, I don't understand. That's where I say, but I trust you. I trust you that you are taking care of me. This will turn out for my good, regardless. Now, you know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, those guys were not praying for the king to suddenly raise up some statue and say everybody must worship or you get burnt. They were not praying for that. They hoped they didn't have to see a day like that come. But he came. He seemed like trouble. But they said they believe in their God. And what the enemy thought 
to do to bring them down when the when the whole episode was over they were promoted they were known all over the land the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego they were promoted but those guys said we won't listen to you we know the god that we serve he will deliver us we trust him but even if he's not going to deliver us we won't still listen to you we're ready to die that's an unwavering trust in God and in His goodness towards us. That will settle it and you can be at peace and rest. After that, you're happy. Because there's, there's nothing going to take anything away from you. Amen. So that's the first thing. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 and, through 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. All of your heart. Trust in God with what? All. And basically, you are trusting Him with all. Your heart is you. That's what it means. Trust in God with everything, with yourself. Put your, your life into His hand. You're trusting Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That says you will have your own understanding of this circumstance. You will, always. Because you analyze what's going on and you have your understanding and you're thinking maybe I should do this. God says don't trust that. Just trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try. You can do what you can to help you feel better. But ultimately, you're looking to God. You know, I like a song. How many of you know Keith Green? You know Keith Green? He said, I'm doing my best. He'll take care of the rest. <laughs> I'm just doing my best. He'll take care of the rest. I like that song. Because it's biblical. You do what you have to do. So you can have peace. You've done all you know to do. The rest is God. And then you rest. And He'll take over. So don't lean on your own understanding in all, not some, all your ways. Acknowledge Him. What that means is let Him know what's going on. Tell Him what's going on. You know, God, Ezekiah did the same thing. He reported, He actually took the, king, the king's the enemy king's letter to the Lord and said, God, I know you can read, read it. You read what, look at what he said about you. Are you going to let this guy go off? <laughs> look at what he said about you. So you inform him what's going on. He already knows, but let him know. And then let him know that you trust him to take care of this, the situation. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. That's what God does. He will direct you. He gives you the wisdom. Don't go this. Don't say that. Don't act this way. Avoid this. And you think you're so smart, right? Because he's coming from the Lord. My, I didn't know I was this smart. <laughs> you just walk and God guides you. But you're leaning on him and refusing to be afraid. So that's the first step. Have an unwavering trust in God. Most Christians, or some, I, I hate to say things about Christians because I love them. I don't want to say anything bad about believers because they are so precious to the Lord. But the thing is to teach. 
is they, they're looking at the circumstance and in their mind they're saying, well, this is how God is going to do it. And generally they are looking to a human being that God will use. You can pray that God will use a human being if, he's, if, the, if that person is available, but you can't put all of your hope on that. You will get disappointed. Because if he quits, you are not looking to him, you can tell him, well, if he's not going to listen to the Lord, God will provide. And that's what God did with uh, Esther. Remember what uh, Mordecai said to Esther? If you don't do something, God will raise deliverance from another side. So I don't have to depend on you. But who knows? Maybe God has planted you at this time in that place so that you can, He can use you. And Esther got the message, this is my time. So I don't have to depend on one person or some people to do this. And, 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 and this is not to say not to depend on people, okay? But let the true focus be God. That's all you're looking to. So that's, that's the first thing. Have an unwavering trust in God. The second one is to magnify God at all times. Magnify God at all times. The key here is this. When trouble comes, into your life the trouble wants to magnify itself above God that's the way the enemy likes it he doesn't let you see God when he, when he first appears it overwhelms you and your eyes are taken away from the Lord to the problem it happens to me it happens to you for the first moment you're thinking and all you're thinking is about the problem. And the problem wants to say, how are you going to get out of this now? It's like Nebuchadnezzar saying, who is that God that is going to deliver you from my hand? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the way problems say. Difficult times come to us. Sometimes they are sudden. You're not expecting it. Other times they are really slow. And then you find yourself in this situation... Where do I go now? The problem is so magnified. The doctors tell you, and they magnify it, and if you listen to it, you will start singing the praise of that problem. Not willingly, but you start telling people about it. I'm not saying not to tell people about it, but you have to immediately turn to the Lord. I magnify the Lord above the problem. Then he will be Lord over you and your problem. <laughs> but when you magnify the problem over God, then your problem then becomes Lord over your life. The problem can never be Lord over God. It will be Lord over your life. In Psalm 34, the scripture I was studying, if you read this story, he said, this was about David. David was having a real serious problem with Saul. And he needed deliverance. He said to himself, this Saul is going to kill me someday. 
and saw that cornered him, the best thing to do for David was to get out of the land of Israel. I'm not going to stay in Israel anymore. I'm going to get out of the land because he has power all over the land and one day he's going to get me and he's going to kill me. Now look, David had been anointed by God to be king, right? By a prophet, Samuel, whose word will never fall to the ground. Yet, when you are overwhelmed with troubles, you have to look for a way out. He did the best he could. And he left. And when he left, he went into the, Phil- uh, the land of the Philistines. And the servants of, the, of Achish, or Abimelech, Achish believed to be uh, his personal name, but his kingly name, Abimelech, you know. And he went in there, and the servants of Abimelech recognized him. And they said, is this not David? And they got him. This is the David that the, the children of Israel, he's the king of the land. That's what they said. He was not king yet. They said, he's the king of the land. And the women have sung their songs. He killed, Saul has killed his thousand, and David has killed his ten thousand. And when David heard that, he knew he was in trouble. And so what he did was allow his spit to come out of his mouth and fall onto his beard. And he acted like he was nuts. He was crazy. And he just like... And then he was scratching at the gates, you know, with his hands and with the spit coming out of his mouth, drooling all over his beard. And they brought him to the king. They said, that's David, the king. Of, the king said, that's a madman you brought him for me. It's a madman. You brought a madman into the palace? And you said, this is the king of Israel. Get, get this guy out of this place. So they got him out, and that was how he saved his life. And he said it was about this time that David wrote this psalm, Psalm 34. And look at what he said. I will bless the Lord at all times. Above the problem. I will bless the Lord, not at some time. I will magnify God above the problem, not sometimes. At all times. No matter what's going on, I will bless the Lord. I will magnify the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mind. Not sometime. Not when things are going well. At all times. His praise will... Well, I, you'll be, God will hear me singing His praise. Saying His praise from my mouth. At all times. This is true deliverance. That's when you magnify God above the problem. He, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make His boast. When you hear me boasting, I'm not boasting about myself or what I can do. Not my ability. I'm boasting on God's power to deliver me from my difficulties. I will make my boast in the Lord. And when I make my boast in the Lord, they will begin to see His deliverance. The humble shall hear. Those that understand God, they will hear what I'm doing. And they'll be glad. You know why they'll be glad? Because they see, if I praise God like this man, I'm going to get my deliverance also. That's a simple formula. They will be glad. 
And then he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. All of you, the humble, you magnify the Lord above the problem. Magnify God with me. Join me to magnify God. He is greater than King Akish. He is bigger than the problem. Magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt His name together. All of us. He said, join me. Join me. That's what we should do. When we praise God and we magnify God, then we, we compel Him to work wonders on our behalf. He may not do it immediately. You may not see the sign of it immediately. But, there's, excuse me, <clears throat> there's something about praising God that makes you feel really good inside, right? You still have the problems. You come to church and they're worshiping God and you, at that moment when you're worshiping God, you've forgotten your problem, right? And you're feeling really good inside. Something, a transaction is taking place. Amen. For your deliverance and for your healing. Something good is going on. Because when we praise Him, we compel Him to do wonders on our behalf. Exodus 15 verse 11 says, Who is like unto you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises? How is it? God becomes fearful when you praise Him. The enemies see His glory and His power, His might. He becomes fearful against your enemies. You need to check, check Psalm 61. Or oh, I say, good one. Hear my cry, O oh God. He becomes fearful. He says he becomes a tower of strength against the enemy. A tower of strength. You can check Psalm 63 also. You know, these are scriptures that God has given to us. A tower of strength against my enemies. When we praise Him, He does wonder. Fearful in praises, doing wonders. Seek Him when trouble comes. When troubles come against your life, begin to seek God. In other words, when you hear of it, immediately turn and turn to the Lord. Because you and I, when trouble comes, we are immediately overwhelmed by it. I know when we started the ministry, I went into a full-time ministry. Oh, it was difficult times. I don't like talking about it. I like to forget it. (laughs) It's the truth, man. I like to forget it. It was very tough then. And uh, many of you that started with us, you know how I used to live my life. You know, we had this, I I called the members to take me out. You go here, (laughs) I let the members take me out. And I preach on prosperity and tell the members to take me out. And I'm claiming to the Lord, God is going to give me five millionaires. How many of you remember that? I said, where where would they come from? (laughs) God gave them. Amen. 
But when the troubles come in those days, you know, something gets in the mail, or I hear, you know, I remember once um, I was going to have this crusade in Nigeria. Of course, some of those crusades would cost like three, four thousand dollars or so. And Pastor Clifford would call and say, "We need to start now. It's time to to start. We need to, we need the money for the crusade." And I don't even have money to buy my ticket. And he's asking me for money for the crusade. So I tell him, go to uh, brother so-and-so. He has money. Tell him to give you 100,000 naira. I'll give it to him when I get there. My wife will ask me, have you bought your ticket yet? No. Do you have the money? Where are you going to get the money to pay him? I say, I don't know. <laughs> so you go to the corner of the room and say, oh, God. <laughs> I seek the Lord's face. And it was a good time for me. I didn't think it was that good. But he was so faithful. Right before the time to travel, everything comes in. And I'm able to do it. And I'm asking the Lord, I know you give me exact money. Why don't you leave some little change so I can feel better? <laughs> but it's training for me. See, He's still training you. Amen? He's still training us. But you seek His face when difficulties come. You can call your friend to help you seek His face. Join with me in prayer. That's not a bad thing to do. Seek his face. But know that you are looking to him for deliverance. Psalm 34, that's the one I'm studying. Verse 4, it says, I saw the Lord and he heard me. And delivered me from what? All my fears. See, when trouble comes, the main thing that you need deliverance from the initial deliverance will come from the deliverance out of your fear. That's the first thing. If you're still fearful, no deliverance is coming to you. He said, he said I sought the Lord. So when you know the problem, the first thing is what we call concern. That's a spiritual word for being very anxious, right? <laughs> a spiritual word for being anxious. You won't say, I'm very anxious, because that's not too good. Oh, I'm fearful. No. You, you spiritually, I'm very, very concerned. Right? Yes, I've been there too, you know. And really, that's fear. The enemy is saying, what if you don't have the money to give to this guy when you get there? He's going to be mad. Where are you going to get the money from? And you say, oh my God. Now, it's even worse when somebody asks you the same question <laughs> that, you, that the enemy is already ministering to you in your mind. You understand what I'm saying? So the first thing is you go to the Lord, and as you stay with the Lord, He will first deliver you from that fear. Or whatever fear, that they're going to take you home. Your children are going to turn out, turn out bad. We need deliverance from fear. It's so important. Whatever you are afraid of will come to you. So we need the deliverance from that fear. That's what happened to Job. He was afraid. He said, the things that I feared the most, they've all come to me. That, the, your fear will open the door. So it's so important. We need to look at scriptures and understand when God is trying to give us you know, some nugget. Understanding of life. In spiritual life. In spiritual living, fear opens the door for the enemy. And when you seek God, the first thing he does is to get rid of the fear. 
the, once the fear is gone, you can be yourself again. The problem is still there, but you're yourself. You're happy. Happy me. You know, we're talking about the quest for true happiness. You are not disturbed by the problem. And you amaze your friends. You mean you got this problem? What are you going to do about it? And you say, well, I have committed it to the Lord. And? You mean you're not doing anything about it? I've done all that I know to do. What if they put you in prison? Well, I have committed it to the Lord. He'll take care of it. And they say, okay. And guess what? Every day they're watching you. And when the deliverance comes, they say, I like your church. Can I go to church with you? (laughs) It's very important. I saw the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. All of them. We should be delivered from all our fears. They looked to Him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. You know, when you look to God, even if you were in darkness because of the trouble, when you come out of His presence, it's like Moses being in His presence for 40 days. When you come, you're shining. When you come out. And God will not disappoint. When you, when you say the word ashamed, that means God will not disappoint you. It's over. When you seek Him. You see, I like to remind myself. I know I'm human, you're human. I like to remind myself all the time. There is a God. I speak in tongues to myself a little bit to remind me, this is God, you know. <laughs> this is God. There is a God. And if there is a God, He'll take care of my need. If there is a God, He'll help me. No matter what, there is a God. And I'm looking to Him. His word will not return to Him void. He says, when you seek me, you'll find me. I know I will find him. Somebody may not understand and say, well, is that all you're going to do? Well, I don't know what else to do. When you don't know what else to do, you turn it over to him. I'm doing my best. He'll take care of the rest. Amen. He will not leave you to be ashamed. He says, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. And saved him from all of his troubles. Notice, later he mentions troubles. Later. But fears, he delivered him and saved him from the trouble. Fear out, he saves you from the trouble. This poor man cried. Poor man means this needy man cried. It's not like he had nothing, he was poor. No, he was needy. We are needy sometimes in different areas. We are needy sometimes for the marriage. Because it's not going the way we want it to go. We need it sometimes because the children, they're acting nuts. Crazy. Sometimes. And we need God to do something. Maybe sometimes it's the finances. Sometimes it's troubles you can't, you didn't know how it came. But you're looking, God, I'm looking to you. And when you stay in His presence, when you come out, you're radiant. And you will not be disappointed. This poor man, this needy man cried and God heard and delivered him from all of his troubles. The angels of the Lord, uh, angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. That word, those who fear him, that's reverence, not just fear, that's reverence, wonder. You know, you say, look at God, you wonder. 
worship everyone who fears God. You have an angel of the Lord that's encamped around you. Now, you need to understand the word when it says the angel of the Lord. Notice it didn't say the angels of the Lord. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, that was Jesus. Check it out. When it says the angel of the Lord came on the mountain and God began to speak, that was the way they referred to it in the Old Testament. But that was God himself. The angel of the witness of the, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle. The angel of witness there. That's God himself. It's not like God is an angel, but that's the way it was referred to in the Old Testament. Remember when the three people appeared before uh, Abraham? That's a different thing. But the angel of the Lord, that's what it's saying, not one, not all of the angels, but the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. And I'm going to stop there tonight. Amen? So we got four more to go. Amen. Would you stand up with me, please? Remember this. One of the key things we talked about tonight is fear. And remember in Romans chapter 8, I believe verse 15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. When you are in fear, you are in bondage. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit that cries to God, Abba, Father. So if God is your father, you got no business with fear. That's what he's saying. And you remember what Paul said. God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Would you say with me, I have a sound mind. Yes, your mind is sound. That means you can think through the problem. Because the Spirit of God is in you. You have a sound mind. Because that's why the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. That's a sound mind. Your mind is the mind of Christ. It can think through the problem. And give you an insight to solve the problem. That's the God we serve. That's why we say God is so good. He is so good. God is on your side. He's never against you. He wants the best for us. We are his children. Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for your people. I know that you are bringing healing right now into various areas of our lives because you are our God and you are encamped around us. You are in us. You are the power that is at work in us. Thank you, Father. You've made your tent. Your dwelling in our lives, in us. Thank you, Father. We can never be alone again because you are with us. We love you. We magnify your name above any and every problem that we are facing right now. Financial problem, marital problem, whatever the problem is, we have victory over it. 
we declare victory over it your children has victory over it tonight everyone here before you tonight has victory over whatever problem the enemy is confronted them with for your word says whatever is born of God overcomes the world and thank you we have overcome the world we give you praise our joy is full because you are in our lives we have nothing to be to worry about nothing to be concerned about you do care for us we cast our cares on you right now thank you father in Jesus name amen God bless you